Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me tonight are Sean and John. How are you, John? I'm good, Jared. I'm good. I had my little hiatus from the storms last week and a little bit the week before, but yeah, so all that's recovered from that and I've definitely um, avoided any sort of significant damage compared to most, but after the boiler going, the dishwasher, the tap and, and then graffiti all across my window, I think I'm quite glad it's all over with now, so glad to be here you get, you get the floaties on and the kerosene lamp and all that sort of stuff going? Oh yeah, no, I, I had none of that. Hope, look, thankfully, I'm the first floor, so like I just watched it all come in and it's still raining now, if you can believe it, but at least it's like, yeah. you know, draining away and stuff. Yeah, I know. It's it's, it's really mental, but um, yeah, I've had all the trailers in now, so everything's everything's working again, which is the main thing. And now I'll ask you, Sean, how is it in Perth? It's looking pretty nice out that back window behind you. So yeah. how's things? I think we've had one day of rain since Christmas. Uh, it's been pretty dry, pretty hot. It's actually cooled down a little bit, so but it doesn't feel any cooler because the humidity is still pretty high. Uh, and I'm my child's swim instructor uh, was COVID positive, so I've been in isolation as a close contact all week. But I still get to go to work, luckily for me. <laughs> I'll get to st- stick a cotton bud up my into my brain every morning to prove. Oh, that's your brain, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they gave, they gave me seven rat tests and said you still have to come into work every day, but you have to isolate evenings and weekends. Yeah, because, you know, it doesn't pass on during working hours. But, you know, if you go to the fish and chip shop, look out. Yeah. <laughs> Are we still doing COVID? Is that still a thing? Is, uh, over no, here? This is, our first, this is our first experience over here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the world. That's all I'm going to say. Like, for us, it's like whatever. Oh, yeah, God, we've, yeah, we've not had double figures. That's the first time we've had double figures of people with COVID since 2020. Well, there so, we go. Yeah. And now... And, now we're getting the whole big China wave again. Something's happening. Something's going on. Yeah. Uh, anyway, leave the conspiracy theories to when Liam's on next and we'll, <laughs> yeah. and we'll crack on from there. So uh, just if you're listening in and you haven't done so already, just uh, please subscribe to the Soak Down Under podcast either <laughs> via your podcast app or you can find us on YouTube. We've seen a bit of uh, growth on that in the last week, so appreciate everyone who's done that previously and in the last week. And if you haven't done so, come on. There's still like 45% of people tuning in who aren't subscribed. So come on, look after us over here, down under. For, for those that are watching on YouTube and not just listening to the audio, here's a magic trick. <laughs> uh, yeah, You're going to have to go, go onto go. the YouTube to see that. You don't yeah, get it on yeah. audio only. And you have to subscribe as well to see it. That's yeah, a hidden that's feature that. unless you're a subscriber. <laughs> anyway, enough pish talk. Let's uh, get on with it. <laughs> so three Dundee United nil in the Scottish Cup. So we had a starting lineup of Joe Harding goals, Greg Taylor at left back, Starfelt and Carter Vickers at centre back, Juranovic at right back, midfield of Hatate, McGregor and O'Reilly. And up front we had Jack and Maccus as a striker and on the wings we had Forrest and Maeda. Sean, what was your take on the game? Well, for the lineup, first of all, it was a bit um, concerning that Jota and Abada were nowhere. Rumor has it they were, they were COVIDed out. Um, I don't, and rumor has it Jackamakis was COVIDed the week before, so it looks like that might be kind of touching the squad. It's good that it's only isolated patches of the squad, though. I'm happy with that. Um, nothing like the St. Madden outbreak that they had last year, so that's good. The game itself was <clears throat> actually quite a good game considering the conditions of 
both the weather and the pitch. Uh, I think it was the first thing that the manager highlighted post-match was the conditions and it was the commentators were going on about it. It, it didn't make for classic football, but it was actually still a kind of good game, even taking into account for that, mainly because United were really pressing high and that was giving us a bit of space. I think they were actually hoping the conditions would do some of their defending for them. And it, and it, it did to an extent. On that show, uh, I actually thought they were trying to grab the early goal so then they could just park the bus because of the conditions. Uh, maybe, yeah. But yeah, there was a lot of times where we looked like we had space to counter, like we had numbers, like we were literally outnumbering them on the halfway line and then like the ball would get stuck under Forrest's feet or Jack and Mac's feet and they would get back, you know. Um, it was kind of a bit of a leveller. Uh, there was quite a lot of events in the game to talk about, but yeah, um, I thought that, I don't know, a lot of people were shouting McGregor for man of the match, and I thought, based on the first half, yeah, uh, but I would have probably given it to Jack and Marcus overall. I thought my Ada was really good as well. I thought he did a powder running. Some weird people were putting uh, Juranovic and Taylor up for man of the match, and I thought the defence did a good job overall. Dundee United had one shot in the whole game, uh, it was off target in Tanadice, but it was on target in Dens Park. So I don't know if that counts as on target or not. Um, but yeah, other than that, that was literally the only shot they had. One that was like 20 yards over the bar. So, I mean, that's impressive stat, if nothing else, right? It's uh, pretty, so. pretty feral. You know what's good to see, though? For once, we had majority possession, 61%, and we didn't have, didn't commit the most fouls. Like... They had 39% oh. for those 12 fouls. So that was something that I wanted to point out because all season, because we pressed so hard, we're always the team committing more fouls than the opponent. So that was actually a pleasant surprise considering a certain referee in charge of the game, which I'm sure we'll touch on. But, John, before we get into the ref, let's go for you for your thoughts on the starting lineup, the game overall, and any star performers. Well, firstly, do we have to talk about beating? Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, my thoughts on the... Yeah, we do. Jesus. Um, my thoughts on the game were, look, I think um, at times it was it was just an absolute joy to watch, um, which it always is, I guess. But uh, we were playing some fantastic football, I thought, um, especially the first 20 minutes, passing the ball about, about really well. Um, I don't really... Uh, it's a bit of an old term, but that old ticky-tacky stuff. I thought we were really doing, doing well and just quick passing, one touches and stuff. And yeah, like I say, and then there was times when, you know, like we, our passing was very poor. Um, and I think that probably is the pitch. I think the only thing to say about the pitch for me is it's like a, um, is it a catch 22 or, or like a, it, you either have places up in like uh, North of Scotland, we have cities in Scotland where it might, the pitches are going to be worse quality because the teams don't have as much money to, to maintain it and stuff. Or you get teams like, Hamilton and and um, Livingston, where you get plastic pitches. So, like, what would we prefer? Do we prefer the, I don't know, I hate the word quagmire pitches, or do we want the plastic horrible ones? I think I'd I call them probably... goat tracks, John. I was a terrible yeah. goat. Track. <laughs> and I'm like, let's be honest. I don't know. Like, your point there, I agree with you. Like, for me, I'd rather they say the pitches are leveler. Both teams have got to play on it. So, yeah. at the end of the day, yeah, it was rough. It was a goat track. There's a lot of t- players bobbling the ball, couldn't really play one-touch football. But at the same time, I'd rather see that, what we saw on the weekend, than go and play on a plastic pitch. I, I Look, I, I think I probably sway to that side as well. It reminded me, I don't know if um, this is a term 
in Australia or in, in, in Scotland, but in England, at least, we used to call like our local parks Rex because it was the recreational park. And there was one right next to the train station that we used to call the train wreck because it was honestly the worst park you could ever possibly go to. It was just pretty much <laughs> Tanadise, right? So, you know, it works, dead funny works on two levels. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that that um, English wit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, I just reminded me of that. And it's like just, yeah, school schoolboy pitches, to be honest. But anyway, look, that aside, you're right. It's a leveler. Everyone's got to play on the same pitch and stuff. Um, well, do you know how to fix the pitch? They did it with Motherwell, right? Motherwell's pitch used to be absolute notorious totty field. And then... No, go on. And they gave them a it? fine of like £400,000 or whatever it was at the end of the season. When your pitch is out of order, here's a fine, sort it out. So they then invested more money in it and now it's one of the best pitches. Pitches, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Look, may, look maybe that is just... Um, the SFA needs to de- demand better standards then. Maybe it's just uh, from all of its professional teams. Like, yeah, <laughs> Sorry, finding John, individuals. That's not happen, though, because no, it's not, is it? <laughs> they're not going to demand higher standards from, from the clubs on that regard, the SFA, because they're not demanding higher standards from the referees and from no. people who are running the clubs. Like you look at certain teams that are constantly doing share, share offers and stuff like that to write off debt. So... Mm. If they're not going to knuckle down on that side of it, how can you then turn around and go to the team saying, oh, here's a fine for a quarter of a million. Now go fix your stadium, which is going to cost you another quarter of a million. So it's half a million in the shit. Yeah. When the well, TV they... money, you win the league, you get you get like a million pound. Like how can you do that? Well, I'm sorry. I've just pulled up the Mother Rose story and it was a £50,000 fine. And so they spent £350,000 fixing it. That's what the number was. But is you know like, is it fair to really single out? Maybe maybe it's a case of in Scottish football you have to let your pitch get to such a detrimental level, and then you get told to fix it. Like, and that's just I don't think that's good enough, is it? That's I saw it with Rangers last year. How bad was their pitch? There've been yeah, times when ours has not been great as well. But yeah, you, you, like you, yeah. you're right. Like it's um, I think it's just I think it's just Scotland to be honest. I think it's wet, and when you don't get enough sun and stuff, and it's just I, I think it's a hard thing to demand better John it's not just Scotland I'm going to say it for a second because we've got stadiums over here there was there was a period there I'm trying to remember which stadium it was one of the old A-League ones over here where because it's a summer league over here we have the opposite problem so Mm. what they do is they put sand down and then they'd spray paint it green so it looked like (laughs) it looked like grass Jesus I think that was either in the old NSL or at the start of the A-League it was one of them I know they did that at um Marvel Stadium in Melbourne when it first opened as well for the AFL. Chuck sand right. on top. So the car park under the stadium, then about two metres of turf and of dirt, and then there's the turf, and the grass wouldn't grow because I was working mm. there part-time when it happened. So they're putting sand and then spray paint and green. So <laughs> what would I rather? That situation <laughs> here, plastic pitches, yeah. or what's currently happening in Scotland? Uh, there you go. When I was on Celtic Park a few years ago, God, when was it? Uh, 2004, three, four, something like that. Uh, and I was on at half time, and it actually looks, I mean, it was obviously before we refurbished it, but it actually looks a lot worse on the pitch than it does from the stands. Like when I was on there, and I was like, I looked down, I was like, oh, oh my God, there's actually not a lot of grass here. Like this is really just soil. Jeez. And fair enough, they had it like perfectly flat and shit so that like it did have a decent enough bounce and run of the ball. But like it really was worse at ground level than it was from the stands, like noticeably. But that's not, I did notice it. 
It's just not. It's just not good enough, is it? When it's like that, you see professional pictures in that bad state. Mm-hmm. I, I think. I think we, like the fan base in Scotland should. I don't know. Not just demand better, but like expect better. And and um, and if you're saying if you're right, if there's like weight fixes, then uh, like if it, I imagine places elsewhere in Europe have similar problems in the same sort of latitude as Scotland, and they don't have um, manky pictures like that. But I've got, you, a, got a question to make for you here. If you're a club like Ross County, for instance, just picking on them because we're playing them soon and they're way yeah. up north where the weather can be more hit and miss sort of thing, right? If you've got a club like that or Inverness or whatever, just random clubs, and they get a fine for quarter, like 50000 fine and then are told to spend 250000 upgrading their pitch. To a regional club like that, Two hundred fifty thousand is how many players over a season? If you're paying someone what a grand a week, there's five players mm, for a year. So if you've got to look at it and go, okay, are they going to invest that money in five first team players, or are they going to invest it in their pitch so that they can have a better, bring in a better quality of player in the future? Just, why, I don't, why would I understand you just... both sides of the argument. Just thinking out loud here, and none of us are going to fix anything, right? But why could we not do like uh, it? Because look, it's an association, right? The SFA, so everyone has to chip in, and it's membership money all goes in and stuff. Why can't there just be a grant system when when there's a eligibility where your your, your pitch gets into such a state? There's like there's a maintenance grant that uh, clubs apply for, and then that's not easily lottery funding or something. Is that not a thing you can use that for? Oh Jesus! I don't know anything. Because like, the, yeah. the Huns use lottery funding for their their training center. Like that's why they can uh, mortgage it when they were uh, broke. Was because it's fifty percent uh, or protected or something by yeah, right. lottery. Yeah, so they they didn't have full ownership of it in order to be able to do that. <clears throat> but um, the the thing about Motherwell and the you're talking Jared about do you invest that money? Well, Motherwell invested that in 2010, and their pitch is still pretty good now. Whereas mm-hmm. if they've been if they've been eating a, a fifty thousand pound fine every year for the last twelve years, then that's six hundred thousand. So you could yeah. argue they've saved money by doing that. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Anyway, so we'll yeah, the discussion to the groundskeepers and the horticulture <laughs> and all that sort of stuff who listen in later in the week. They can that's come it. in the comments and let us know. We'll jump back to the game. So I want to just touch on a few couple of players here, but before we do. Maeda's goal that was written that was wiped off. Sean, God. you looked that up. Morris, yep. you got the definition and the rules and all that for us, which was great. I don't know if yep. you've got that in front of you ready uh, to go, I, but I wasn't entirely change. Yeah, <laughs> but I wasn't entirely clear on the rule change myself but like before as the goal was happening. And to be honest, in the first like two uh run throughs of it, I, I couldn't even like the first two run throughs, I literally didn't even see the handball. I assumed it was an offside. So I was kind of waiting for the the next uh, replay that was going to show the offside, and I was going to give the linesman crap. But then it comes up. Oh no, there's a handball, and apparently the referee signaled handball. And the rule says, if an attacking player's accidental handball immediately precedes another player scoring, the goal will now be awarded. When last season it was likely to have been ruled out. However, a player will still be penalised if he commits an accidental handball immediately before scoring himself. So the only way that that goal 
can be disallowed. The only explanation for that goal being disallowed as a handball is John Beaton thinks it's a deliberate handball, which Jackie Marcus is a fucking Harlem Globetrotter if that's a deliberate handball. Uh, and the other, the only plausible explanation after that is that John Beaton just doesn't know the rules. Wait, wait, that, that can't, and that just can't, I don't know. Look, I think John Beaton's one of the worst refs in the game, right? But um, I think most Celtic fans do as well, if not the wider community. Um, but all the refs every year when the rules, they, they, they like just every year, they have to get like seminars and training about the updated rules every year. That's all, all of the refs at the top level. So there's no way that that discussion did not happen. If that's a new rule that happened last year, here are so the new handball rules. Guys, go fucking that's memorize the them. case, John. There's three options here. Either one, he's a cheat. Two, he does. He's incompetent at his job. Or three, there's bookies involved. They're the only three. Oh, Jared. I can put there that would give you an, a logical reason for that. Like, there's no other reason. I'm not bringing in that that he's arranged his season ticket holder. I'm leaving that whole side of it out. I don't want that tinfoil hat going on here. Those are the three things that in this sort of situation you've seen over the years in football, those are your three things. Either mm. incompetent, he's a cheat, or there's some dodgy shit going on with bookies. I'll give you an option that's in between one and two there, which was that he went to the training seminar and instead of paying attention, he was busy on his phone posting on follow follow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought he was too busy adjusting his sash. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like I, and there's also things like where you can, like, you're so used to doing one thing some way for so long that you forget. But that previous interpretation was only in place for two years, so I'm not even going to give him that. I have to be honest, right? And and I think it's purely he's deeply, deeply incompetent, right? And I think and I I think that's as far as it goes, me personally. But um, I, I'm done with the handball rule changing. I'm just I'm just sick of it, to be honest. I wish it just stuck to something. It used to kind of make sense. Like I was all in for it when it was like um, oh, what do they call it? Biome- biomechanics and stuff. Like you have to you have to. F- you have to, it has to be a deliberate act of putting your hand out in a way that's unnatural and all that stuff because, you know, if you're extending your foot out, your hand might have to go to the back of you and stuff. And that's all normal stuff, right? So here's your hand. How, how is that? How is that a foul? Yeah, how, how, how are you supposed to punish that person doing that? They're not, they've not committed the, an, a foul against the game, right? Um, but now it seems to be like the rule is if it hits anybody's hand, it's, it's a foul. That's, and and it's, if you're an attacking player, it goes against you, well, no, that's, we just said it's not that. I, I, I don't know. Look, it's, it's the whole thing just confusing for me. <laughs> there's more shades of grey there, John, because yeah. the other thing they're saying is, like, was his hand away from his body? That's something to look at. Was it an unnatural position? That's something to look at. There's a whole range of things. Like, what we need is what we had back in the good old days of the 90s and the early 2000s where you had the rules and those rules would be locked in for like a five-year window. Mm. There'd be less mucking around with it. And us fans that get used to it, the players that get used to it, the refs that get used to it, and then, okay, after we've had a good look at it for three, four years, after five years, make the decision, what are we going to do after that? Because to me, that's the only logical thing. Chopping and changing things year on year, it causes these sort of water cooler conversations to pop up all the time. And like it's given us something to talk about, which is great. But at the same time, from that, that perspective, but at the same time, if this was a close game, and it was the last game of the season. We've got to win just to guarantee the league. 
and this happens and it ends up as a nil-all draw or it ends up as a draw instead of us winning because a goal is incorrectly chalked off, like mm. because the ref doesn't know what he's doing, it's ridiculous. Like, give us some I consistency. So. I think so. I, like, I, I, I can see some logic behind the rules consistently changing. I'm playing devil's advocate here, where it's they're trying to remove any subjectivity from a ref's decision, right? If it, if the rule is it's a, del- a deliberate handball, well then that opens an avenue with has they de- have they deliberately done it? And then it was all like the biomechanics, and not all these people are, um, I don't know, sports scientists. So removing that subjectivity, and I understand what they're doing, but I mean, like even look, even in the game um, that done against United and stuff. We, we clearly saw, I can't remember the, who it was before, but when Rodjick just belted it against um, whoever it was, the United player, and it hit, his, it hit his arm, right? Well, the rules are currently, the way that I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, is if it hits your hand in the box, it's a penalty. There's, that's it. It doesn't matter if you mean it. It doesn't matter if it's within your silhouette. It doesn't matter anything. That's It's just a handball. It's not the rules now. Because remember, there was one against Dundee where Jota headed, headed it onto his own hand. And we didn't concede the penalty, and that was the correct decision. Because if it comes off one part of your body and then hits the hand, that doesn't count as a handball. But if if a, if a, if the attacking, yeah, so that team... well, that's that's to do with where the hand is. It's natural silhouette. So if your hand's at your side and your silhouette, and somebody rattles it off your hand, then that's uh, not a foul, not a handball. So we're, so we're still saying so the rules currently still are if it's a natural silhouette, as in standing yeah. upright and no no hands extension. Yeah. Then, right. and they also take into account the distance the ball travels as well. So, like, if it's like one meter away, they're less likely to give it than if it's ten meters away. Mental that I like. I've watched the game for twenty five years, twenty years, and I still don't really understand what the handball <laughs> ball is. Now. Dude, all, all I... <laughs> you can't fly like Astro Boy because that's unnatural. You can't, you know, pretend you're yeah. Superman. That's unnatural unless you're a goalkeeper. The rest of the time, you know, as long as it's natural, it's play on. But yeah, look, I'll, I'll do the rest of the podcast with my hand in an unnatural <laughs> position. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's within your silhouette. <laughs> like, what, what about the, um, I, like, I'm just thinking out loud here, but what you know how the players are now sticking their hands behind their back? What if it ricochets and hit them mm-hmm. on the hand? Well, that's within their silhouette, but it's an unnatural position. Is that? Oh, that's God, a fair point. What? Yeah, because it's yeah. very unnatural to have your hands yeah. stuck behind your back, yeah. But Especially yeah, when you're defending like that, you're, you're trying to make yourself at least bigger. I know you're not allowed to use your arms and stuff, your hands, but you're trying to make yourself as big as possible. So basically, if money. you take a shot and it ricochets, say if you're you're the attacker, John, you shoot, take a shot, it ricochets off Sean's knee into my hands that are behind my back. Yeah, that's penalty. unnatural. That should be a penalty. <laughs> but it's in the natural silhouette. But it's natural <laughs> because I mean, so that it's not a penalty. So again, oh, gray area is ridiculous. And then Do you know, put I don't know if the, beaten in the mix. <laughs> I don't know if it was the official rule or not, but when I was a kid, the rule was if it hits your hand, elbow to hand, it's a handball, mm. and elbow to shoulder is not. And that was it. Yeah. If it oh, hits mate, your hand, there's, even there's more else. in the comments here. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with the rule. It's the application of the rule. Brother John got it wrong. Oh, no question. We, <laughs> yeah. we, all, know, we all know he got Correct it wrong. Mr. Moorcock? But yeah, like, um, <laughs> Yeah, man. Look, this, do you know who started this? Thierry Henry. This all started with Thierry Henry and that goal yeah. against Ireland. That was when it started. That VAR. Oh. That's why VAR came in as well. Actually, no. VAR came in because of that Frank Lampard uh, won against Germany. Remember that? 
where it came uh, off the crossbar I, and was over the line. That was nobody wanted oh, VAR yeah. before that. Or sorry, goal, goal line technology. Goal line like technology one. came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. It, it grew into VAR, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're still so, deciding whether VAR is good for Scotland. I, I, uh, <laughs> let's not get into VAR. <laughs> let's not get into the long conversation. Just over on beaten. <laughs> I've seen a video thing on VAR on the training that the Scottish refs are getting on it at the moment. Mm. Right? I saw that a couple of weeks back. And the guy giving the interview talking about what they're looking for and what they're doing was beaten. <laughs> he was training them? <laughs> That's all I have to say on that front. If he's he the guy who's joking? the senior VAR person at the Scottish Referees Association at the moment who's got the most training and is then sitting in on everyone else's training, and that's the guy making this mistake in our game. Can you really see the people he's training and appointing his VAR as like VAR officials overruling his bad calls? Yeah, yeah. Is, is that because he's like a, he does it for UEFA? Is that why? So yeah, because he's, he's like, got the UEFA and FIFA. Because so he's done a couple of games. To, yeah, that, that, that's like me. Uh, I can train athletes for the Olympics because I, I ran down to the shops and back. <laughs> Well, that's, like, well, that's like Sean. I'm training someone on how to do the Daytona 500 because you know I've I've ridden a, a, a motorbike before. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no sense. It's a laugh. What a laugh. Uh, yeah. Good. Uh, I, I, look, I I understand that he's a mad blue nose and stuff, but I I think at least in his refing capacity, I'm only willing to go as far as to say he's the most incompetent referee in the game. And I don't think he should be refing premiership games at all. Anymore. I mean, that's that's a, that's a bold statement to say he's the most incompetent because there's a lot. Oh of no, yeah, no, no, I think he's the most incompetent. <laughs> nah, I fully believe that. Yeah. I can think of a couple that I would put a, a below him or above him, depending oh, on. Right, what Sean, we yeah, on, the three, on the count of uh, three, we'll say what what you're thinking. All right, and I'll say mine. Who I'm thinking? One, two, three. Dallas. Kevin Clancy. Oh, oh yeah. to Dallas you and uh, you, you, you and Robertson was the other one that came to mind. I was thinking current ones, yeah, yeah. 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 All right, so, so back to the quickly. Sorry, Sean. I meant uh, da- Dallas Junior. Uh, what's his yeah. name? Okay, uh, uh, that son of Dallas. Other one's name. Yeah, oh, yeah. Damien. Uh, Real Hatati. Yeah, uh, I was keeping a close eye on him because he's we well, obviously know he's had a big dip in form after. Uh, collecting a lot of champagne in his first few games. Uh, so I was paying close attention to him and I actually thought he was having a, a, a decent game, six or seven out of ten. And I and I felt like somebody's had a word with him and said, just, you know, just keep it simple. And it looked like he was doing that. He wasn't trying to do the defence splitting passes or anything like that, uh, but he, he was just doing this simple sideways passes, turning his men, don't try and do these and look in a couple of weeks ago he was doing these like half volleys across the length of the pitch and landing on players feet and that's gone out of his game in recent weeks but he was he went back to basics and I, I thought he was going well and I was disappointed to see him go off at half time but also I can understand I thought he was slightly I don't want to say he's lucky to stay on but this is sort of one where if he'd been given that red card you you're not winning the appeal because he's got straight leg, he's got studs up. The only thing that redeems him from that is that he's not going at the man. He's going at the ball, and the man's like beside the ball. So it's like he catches the player's foot, who's, who's, the foot's falling through from the kick, and he catches that foot. So he's not directly tackling the player, and that's the only thing that I'll say 
redeems him from that may not have been a red card because otherwise it was a pretty bad tackle. Yeah, and the thing for me with Hatade is I think Anja's kind of trying to nurse him, manage him as best possible because played a full season in Japan, moved halfway across the world. The adrenaline of the first couple of weeks is kicking ass. That's why he's played so well. And then he looks like he's had that dip where he's like, okay, I'm here, I'm settling in, but I'm tired. And the way he plays, it's just so high energy. Like he presses hard, he's back defensing, helping defense. He's just up and down the pitch the whole time where if he gets subbed off, if he goes to the old Rocky troll of 60-minute mark, sub him off, or can't, and then the next game comes on for the last 30 minutes for the rest of the season, if that's what it's got to be to get him through to the end of the season so he doesn't get injured and he can still make an impact, I'm happy to live with that because it's a squad game for us now. We've got depth. We can actually rotate. So I didn't mind him coming off at halftime either. I mean, I thought it was I, – personally, I thought it was a strange one. Um, I, the only reason why at the time I thought that he might be coming off is because um, it was turned into a bit more of a physical game after like 20, 25 minutes. And I, I don't think he was really winning those physicalities. I think um, that high energy stuff you're talking about, um, Jared, was I've been watching J League recently and um, it, I can see what we've, why we've gone away and bought all these players because it's pretty, uh, Liam's right, it's a really good standard and stuff. Like, anyway, the comparison to Scott, Scottish League is pretty good. Um, but they all seem to be playing really high intensity. So yeah, I think I think Atati's probably been told that um, just to chill out and you know simplify his game first, settle in, and then go forward. But um, still a good player. And I, I think when Roger came on, I think it was the right move. It just seemed to be the right move. Yeah, Roger just been on good form. So well, he was in the Livingston game, I should say, not necessarily before that. So he'll probably be disappointed. He he was actually out the team in the first place, but, you know, it's a squad game. So, 45 minutes here. Do you know, yeah. someone, um, I, I, it's not on the run sheet, but I, I think we should probably, I don't know if you guys felt the same, probably mention it. I had a reservations, definitely out of ignorance and probably snobbery with O'Reilly coming from M- MK Dons um, thinking, you know, like even, even when it's players that I'm not aware of, I'm like, oh, well, you know, give them a chance and everything, but you know, MK Dunn, someone who's not even playing at MK Dunn's not going to get a game. What's he going to be like? I said, I think he's been, I think he's been brilliant since he's been playing here. Like I'm not saying he's been the most consistent, but um, I think he's really, I think it was really good. I think it was good in the United game um, last night, whenever it was, night before. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think he's a really good asset. And I think he works quite well with Hatate when they're both firing on, on four cylinders. He got a call up to the Denmark under 21 team. Yeah, we're going to go through. I'll put that on for the run sheet later oh, on for the call-ups. But no, no definitely, yeah, it's good to see him get a call-up. And it was kind of is like... He's Danish. His uh, mum is. Yeah, one of his parents. And the other his one's mom. Norwegian. So he's... Yeah. But he's, he's, he said that he wants to play for Denmark. He's, he's Danish, Norwegian, and... Uh, and English. <laughs> English. O'Reilly. English and some sort of and Irish an, as well. Yeah, and Irish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah, he's collecting passports. There you go. Yeah. Feel yeah. like me. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, been, he's to, been to Dublin Airport, so he's eligible to play for Ireland. <laughs> yeah. That's how it works, right? <laughs> yeah. One got a pub and had a Guinness before he's eligible for Ireland. That's, That's how it yeah. works, isn't it? <laughs> Jack Charlton's yeah. on the phone. <laughs> I watched a doco on him the other day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, on Jack Charlton and his time in Ireland. It was good. It was uh, Shane, one of our regular, regular listeners. He. He put me onto it. I put a thing out on Twitter about it. He told me about it. I watched it. Good, good one. You what, haven't what seen form, it. What format's it on? 
I think it's on Stan or something like that. Okay. I'll, I'll check and let you know. But yeah, anyway, um, I'll put on the run sheet James Forrest now. I'm putting him there because he's had a lot of um a lot of injury problems, as we all know. But the last couple of games, we're not necessarily seeing the James Forrest of old, okay? But I think he's borderline right on that edge of turning that corner and, you know, exploding at his last eight games of the season. Like, he's been doing well. He's, yeah, he, he grabbed his leg at one point, but it looks like it must have been a cramp or something like that. But for me, I'm thinking him and his pace and everything like that, it's great. However, it was funny to see him get out sprinted at one point during the game by that spoiler bloke from um, Dundee United. Hmm. But, yeah, I think overall the amount of people writing him off and giving, giving Forrest all sorts of powders, I'll do the James Forrest Appreciation Society right here and say it's good to see him back and long may it continue that he keeps, that he, you know, stays fit and can contribute. But when he did come off, Karamoko into that spot. Yeah. Happy days. It's a nice one-two punch there considering we've still got a barter to come back as well. The main yeah. thing I take from Karamoko getting a game is that maybe he's going to sign a contract because Postacoglu said repeatedly that he only works with players that want to be here. So he's working with Karamoko. I get yeah, that it was a later, Ben Dyke. Yeah. So for him and Mikey, it was the reward for playing well in that game against uh, Partick Thistle in the Glasgow Cup. But still, like, Postacoglu has been very clear. You know, if you want to be here, I'll work with you. And he's working with him. So that's yep. a positive sign. I hope he signs. He's, he's, he is a good talent, and we can all see that. And to be honest, and I'm a, look as much as um, I think Jack Amakis is on fire just now, and thank God I was wrong about that. Um, I, I'm a bit. <laughs> don't know everyone else, but he kind of robbed Kara um, from his first goal. I think he did. I think that was going in if he didn't touch it. But <laughs> no, no, I, I think it was. I think it was hit first. You reckon? Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, who cares? Good, yeah, good, good, good that he got to come on and get a game. But on um on Forest as well, uh, the only uh, look, I'm I'm with you, Jared. I think I think the guy gets um it come, too many pelters, which is really really unfair. I think the guy's great. I think I've seen some great football, um, watching Forest and some brilliant goals and stuff. Um, I did notice on that cramp thing. I think he said I, I sort of see him mouthing the words. He was like, "Or oh, Mahami." And I reckon that guy is one big shift away from just being out for months. I, I still think he's on the edge still. So, yeah. I, I really hope he's not. I hope he's, you know, sort of slowly progressed in. But I think we might consistently see him getting pulled off at like the 70-minute mark, you know, 65. I think that might just manage his game time. Who's getting pulled off? <laughs> Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> too slow there <laughs> had to John had to but anyway we'll um we'll leave the the last bit of the Dundee United game there unless you've got anything else you want to add Sean quickly otherwise we'll go on to the Scottish Cup semi-final draw that happened afterwards love it Glasgow Derby on one one fa- semi-final Edinburgh Derby in the other what was your thoughts when you saw the draw Sean uh, my first thought was that Whoever the chief executive is at Premier Sports will be uh, wanking themselves blind over that one. Uh, two derbies to show on their, their channel. Uh, yeah, no, apparently that's the first time that's ever happened, that those four teams have been in 
the semi-final together. So not just that they were drawn in derbies, but as in they've literally never had that combination before. So I was listening to it, like I got my VPN on so I could listen to it. Celtic first out the hat and I was like, oh, come on. And I typed out my phone already to send to my dad. We've got Sevco and I typed it out and I was like, and then since it goes, Rangers, I'm like, yes. <laughs> so I, I was like, one or two, yeah. yeah, I was definitely hoping for it. Um, yeah, so we've got them three times in a month or three times in five weeks, depending on the, the post-split scheduling. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to having them on that big pitch. And it's going to be a 50-50 crowd. It's going to be a good game, I think. Oh, they can't do the whole ticket allocation, bollocks. Yes. <laughs> well, we were first at the hat, so we're the home team, technically. So can we say, no, you're not getting any tickets? You have 100 tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 The thing for me is why I wanted them in the semi is, like, okay, let's look at it this way. We've won the League Cup already, so there's a trophy in the bank. We win the league, that's great. The last thing you'd want to do is meet them in the final, and if they were to somehow beat us and stop a treble, then what would happen? Like, that would give them bragging rights even though they lost the league, right? So for me, I'd rather knock them out now if they knock us out, who cares? We can go on and win the league. It's done. But if we knock them out and then win, still win the league, then we're playing at a treble here. So mm-hmm. that's well, what I was thinking that. Chance that, but yeah. Yeah. yeah no, like the, uh, if you had like, you know, if, if a magic genie came along and he was like, you've got three wishes and then once he'd given Liam his hair back and sorted out John's penis, <laughs> he had one more wish and he said, you have to pick uh, one, of these three, yeah. <laughs> one, one of these three games, uh, you would, you know, you would it would be the Ibrox game, wouldn't it? You'd, you'd take that uh, even above the Celtic Park game because if you go six points, then the psychological damage is much more important than having that yeah. later one, you know. And in the cup, like, again, we want to win it all, but like, if if you again, some pact with the devil, and you have to sacrifice one for the others, you're gonna the cup's gonna be the one you sacrifice. And we're not gonna figure that way on the day. We're definitely not. We're gonna be baying for blood. We're gonna be well up for it. But oh yeah, you know, like the the most important one is the league. But this cup is gonna stand alone as a big game, and we're gonna be buzzing for it. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be a spectacle. Yeah. Speaking of spectacles, yeah, Sydney Super Cup latest. <laughs> CD, yeah, be there. Woohoo, yes. go us. We got our tickets. Happy days. So, um, yeah, the latest that it, pretty much everyone would know by now is it's three game tournament. So, I think they're expecting both, uh, both us and Rangers to beat the two local teams because you've got Rangers versus Western Sydney on the 16th, us versus the Smurfs. On the seventeenth, hang on, I'm looking at the wrong date, wrong month. Uh, but yeah, I've got, got the dates right anyway. There you go. Yeah. And then on the Sunday, we're playing against Rangers. So yeah, it'll be a um an interesting one. Um, now there was an article in the Sydney Morning Herald that went out by uh, Vince Regari, who's been on a few podcasts and stuff talking about speaking to organisers and a few things and there's going to have to be a lot of background work done off the pitch to make sure shit doesn't kick off because 
one of the main pubs for the Rangers Supporters Club in Sydney is in near Circular Quay and Central Station in Sydney. And Sydney City CFC is also around the corner from the station nearby. So the issue is to get out to a core stadium, if you have a match ticket for any event there, it usually means you've got free train from Central out to there. So if you're going to have everyone for a 7.30, 8 o'clock kickoff in the boozer all day, having a sing-song, getting absolutely plied up on alcohol, to then use those same free trains to get out to the stadium together, it's a recipe for disaster. Drinking in the stadium too. And then you can mm-hmm. booze on the stadium even more. So, And then after the game, to get home, it's the same deal. So then you all got to go walk the 500 metres or whatever from the stadium across to the train station and then do the same thing again to get out of there. It's That's where the issues are going to be, Morning. Once you get to the stadium and everyone's in their seats, I don't think it's going to be that bad. But for me, I'm just saying the, if there's going to be an issue, it's going to be people getting from Central Station on the same trains after getting on the getting on the piss all day. That's where the issues are going to be. John, you live in Sydney, so we'll mm-hmm. throw to you for your, your opinion on this. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> well, I know for sure that the New South Wales police don't mess about, so... Um, they they can be pro- quite heavy-handed. Um, I wouldn't necessarily go as far as saying brutal, but um, having recently seen because I can I saw them from my balcony, which is top of my street. Um, all of the COVID protests and how the police dealt with that. I think if anything did kick off, I think it's getting sorted fast. I don't think it's really going to be this. Um, too many times I've gone to Glasgow Derby um, and I've ended up at, say, I don't know, Merchant Square or, or George Square or something like that. And where's the police? Nobody, it's all gone. Everybody's gone. It was all important, um, you know, down the Gallagate and stuff. And then it's all, all everyone's disappeared. So I don't think it's going to be any of that. I think it's going to be pretty, pretty well monitored. Um, or also, there's a big part of me that thinks that maybe they're really underestimating what this rivalry is, to be honest. Um, I think I said to you, Jared, as well in the chat, um, it's going to be an interesting one because, you know, is it going to be a case of um, the bitterness that, that, you know, that extreme rivalry? Is that is that a Glasgow Derby thing or is that a Glasgow culture thing? Is it, are we really going to see, look, most, I'd say almost exclusively all of the, the fans that are going to see this are going to be as immigrants, right? We're going to, or, or the ones that, like yourself, Jared, the native-borns and stuff. But I don't think we're really, we're, none of us have been, at least exposed to that or been raised in that sort of bitter environment. So are we really going to see anything? We'll probably see all, all the rivalry that you expect in the stadium, but you know, I'm not saying we're going to go um, hugs and kisses and, and, and shaking people's hands if we, when we beat them and stuff. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I mean, I'm going to be really interested. I think it's going to be, well, I hope at least to the extent I hope it's going to be heavily, heavily policed Um There'll be lots of police on the train. There'll be lots of police in the in the Sydney city and stuff. And and it's just one day. I've got a quote for you, John, from the article in the Sydney Morning Herald web thing. So John Wright, who's from the Oceanic Rangers supporters in Sydney for their Sydney True Blues mob, he's gone to say he was excited about the prospect, blah, 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 carrying on a bit, saying about drinking and all that sort of stuff. But then he goes, 
Uh, where exactly is it? This isn't going to be like going to watch South and St. George in the NRL. This is going to be touted as a family event, but there will be ten to 20,000 people going with, with an intent that they're going to an old firm game because that's how it's being marketed. Mm. They honestly believe this is a fluffy rivalry. Has yeah. it been marketed that way, though? I've not seen that term. Well, old, ter- old firm? Yeah. I've seen it everywhere. I've seen it all oh, across the... Officially, though? Yeah. All the is pre- it, is it? Oh, okay. They announced it, yeah, it was saying old firm. Is it, that, that... I'm thinking about the poster. It's got like the two on the other halves, you know. Like yeah. They've changed that now. But then you go down further, and there was a quote from New South Wales sports manager Stuart Ayres, Minister Stuart Ayres, right? Where he's saying that it needs a lot of work needs to be done between now and November to ensure the worst aspects of the old firm rivalry are not brought to Sydney. He's like, it's not 1984, it's 2022. We love passion, we love noise, but we want a safe environment that people can come to. Because we've got a long runway, the events in November, we'll do a lot of clear messaging around ticket sales and expectations of fan behavior. And this is where I got the name of the podcast from. So come along, have a great time, just don't be a dickhead. That's what he's saying there. So I've just changed it to don't be a blue nose because us Celtic fans, we're all good. We're, we're sound. So if if things are going to kick off, more than likely it's going to be someone wearing blue shirts. But so, Yeah, just for anyone that's in Scotland or Europe or whatever and doesn't know this information yet, we, we got our tickets early on, on the pre-release uh, down here uh, through some... Uh, thing anyway so there was like maybe 10 20 percent of the tickets were put up and most of them were co-mingled uh there was only two very small sections which were designated celtic and uh, quote-unquote rangers so it looks like when it's all released it's going to be the vast majority of the the seating is going to be co-mingled uh just no segregation whatsoever and in an eighty thousand seater stadium that might be okay uh i'm going to say it probably won't be i'm going to say there's probably going to be majority celtic fans there uh, I think it's probably a good thing that it'll be majority Celtic fans because if we get, if you get concentrations of Sevco fans together and they start getting up and singing their bigoted songs, then that could be what causes problems more than anything. Um, I was at the Man United Leeds United game here in Perth, sixty thousand, and there was some isolated incidents during that game uh, that the stewards dealt with. But but I think if you're not I think we're going to be in this roughly in and around the singing section uh, where we're sitting. So there could be a bit more heightened, I don't know what the word is, um, people could have their fettles up in and around that area. But I think if you're all dotted together on a mosaic where people are so spread out that they don't really feel they can stand up and sing together, I don't think it's going to be anything beyond the odd kind of shouting rude words to each other. So what um, you'll see, Sean, is just on what you're saying is when you look at the seating chart, there's at each end of the stadium where the end line of the, stand, the stands are, there's three or four bays in the middle of each end which are active support. Then either side of the active support to the corners are, or end of the corners is allocated Rangers end fans, Celtic end fans. That's where we're sitting. Then there's another middle bay premium on the actual halfway line, and one bay is Celtic Premium, and then bay right next to it is Rangers Premium. Man, yeah, that's going to be history, haven't they? That's the suit, so that's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So realistically, the rest of the stadium will be all commingled, like you're saying, Sean. Now, 
the one time I've ran into a Hun at a game. I was over here, I was watching Melbourne Derby, Melbourne City versus Victor in the A-League. Michael O'Halloran is playing for Melbourne City. There's a Melbourne City fan sitting right behind me, abusing one of his own players, wearing a Rangers shirt with his Melbourne City members lanyard on, called him a Fenian and all this sort of stuff and all sorts. So you'll get that in commingled. And to me, straight away I heard that, I'm like, that's the first time I've heard that personally in a football stadium in my life here. So you can imagine getting a whole bunch of them there together. It's going to be an interesting one. Just just add a bit, little bit more extra context for people listening from Scotland. That premium section you're talking about, the seats in there were about $500, which uh, translates to £275. So that's <laughs> gonna, that is going to be um, very much people in shirts and ties. That's not going to be... Uh, that's ridiculous. You're, you're that's people. Yeah, like definitely. Like that's that's why Celtic and are getting paid whatever it is, millions of pounds that they're getting just for coming down. That that's you know, they're not they're not silly about it. They they'll probably just give all the ticket money to Celtic Rangers, Sydney, whatever, and then just pocket all the advertising, you know, or the I, TV money. I honestly don't know what they want, right? I, I, like the organizers, the whole thing. Like I me personally, I think we're all I don't know, supporters of the, the whole scheme, right? Because for me, all, all I want to do is advertise Scottish football. I want to watch Celtic in Australia and I want to advertise Scottish football. Happens to be the next biggest team, however you cut it, is Sevco. If Aberdeen was the biggest team next or, or Hibson, I would prefer to have them in, in Australia. Happens to be the other side of Glasgow and that's where we're advertising. The reason why they want those two to advertise Scottish football is because they, they also want that passion and they want the singing and they want everything else. What, do they expect us just to like leave all the history at the door and just bring along the sing songs and and you know and we'll wave the flags and and that's rivalry and passion and then everyone like will just go home. Time, they expect us to all go to the ground and just sit around and have a great big kumbaya session. Well, yeah, they obviously mental. don't expect us to leave the history since they're marketing it with the exactly, firm, which is so they're not expecting that, you know. So, but, so who's but, who's who's mixing? Who's decided to mix us? That's yeah, craziness. Okay. I actually think it might, it might, and I'm just saying might, it might work out in the sense that people are, that might, you know, the union bears or the green, I'm not going to say mm. green because they're in the same breath, that's not fair. But the yeah, union no. bears or any of whatever groups of Celtic fans who don't have a name but are can be negative when they're come together, if they're spread out, then um, that could alleviate the problem. But you, you referred to it earlier, John, that that's one that one or two percent of our support and their support, probably two, three, four percent for them, uh, isn't going to be a problem so much when they're dispersed in the stadium, but could be a problem outside the stadium, which is what you tend to see with England fans when they go to away games. And look, exactly. there's what you said about you go to the Gallagher after the game and it's fine. Okay. Well, that's because we know where to go after the game. I've not been to Sydney before. I've literally never been there. I don't know where I'm supposed to go for a drink. There's going to be 10, 20,000 people showing up. Don't know where to go. That's that's where the real recipe for trouble is. Do you know what I mean? Maybe they mm-hmm. need to have fan areas, you know, west of the stadium, south of east of the, the Huns. I don't know. I think that's where the flashpoints are going to be before, after the game, and in a round. Sean, you know what that sounds like? School teacher logic to me. <laughs> you get a group of naughty children in one classroom. Okay, you go to this teacher's one, you go to this teacher's room, you go to this teacher's room, split them up. That's 100%. My mum was a school teacher growing up. 
And then you said that and straight on thinking, school teacher logic, I know what you're about. <laughs> you're 100% mate. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, like when does it stop? I'm not being funny, but everyone's going to be boozing until hopefully early hours and stuff. Because, um, yeah, obviously that the, the context there is Sydney only recently let us drink until early hours because it was actually illegal to drink past midnight till recently. Um, but, you know, so... Lockout laws or something. Because right? the lockout laws, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So um, everyone's going to be having a good time until the, into the little hours, right? But are, are the police just going to be around until, I don't know, the... the late evening and they say right that's them all done now they're all be in their beds you know sleeping tight i just don't think i think they they i think they just think it's like man united man city I, that's why I, I think that's how they because all of the um comments from the sports minister in new south wales saying stuff like oh we used to you know organizing big events you've never organized an event like this in your life this is this is Please. the biggest this is the biggest You've, you don't have a clue. So I, I, I have no idea what it's going to be like. Is Are we going to bring all that bitterness with us? Some of us might. Some of us won't. Is it all, it's all just going to be... I saw... Look, and, and to be fair, it's, everyone's got the right to be concerned. But I did see a comment from... Um, oh, it might have been in the article, to be honest, about the, the Rangers' dad. And he's saying, like, I want to bring... I live in the... I, I, live, in the, yeah. I live in the inner that. west, which is a region much like the West End, right? Um uh, I live in the inner West and um, I, I've, my son's never been and watched Rangers live or whatever it was. And I'd love to be able to take him because that's a big, you know, I, we, we all get that, right? That's the, that's the passion that we all bring on to the next generation. I, I totally understand it. He, 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 that kid might not ever want to watch a, a football game ever again. If there's 50, a hundred Celtic fans all screaming at the kid and the dad, because they've got a, a Rangers top on. I just don't. I just don't think they know what they're doing, to be honest. Or I'm not. I'm not yet convinced 100. percent Or as adults, we'll be fine. But I think, yeah. Well, great. Either he gets either he gets put off, or he becomes a militant. You know, like because exactly. Of that, yeah, he, yeah. You know, and thinks all these expectatives about Celtic fans, which is probably not fair. So, I tell you a story. Um, I spoke to a policeman. I lived in Qatar. If anyone knows, like a few years back, after they'd been awarded the World Cup, when they they were starting to get ready for it. Uh, and they brought a policeman over from England. So I spoke to him about it and he was briefing the local police on, you know, like traveling football fans. And he was like, okay, so what's your plan for dealing with England fans when they come over? And the guys were like, oh, it's okay. When they come here, they'll respect our culture and our rules. He didn't even have a response. He was just like, is this guy being serious? Like what's going oh, wow. on here? Like, they yeah. walk around singing "Rule Britannia." Britannia rules the world. You don't yeah. rule the world. You take shit over, but you know, no. Yeah, <laughs> just no. Yeah, no. Wow. I'll stop there. Yeah. And you know what? It's it's not even fair to say that it's just Qataris that might think that because clearly the evidence is that Aussies think the same. They just will come over here and will respect Sydney. And I, I were right. It's going to be one or one or two percent. It's not going to be everybody. Most, uh, the vast majority is going to turn up, have a good time, and get pissed, and probably end up in a gutter or their beds. Right? That's just that's <laughs> probably what's going to happen. Right? Um, Some days, yeah. Well, yeah <laughs> definitely the best night. Um, but <laughs> it, it, it's it's it goes without saying. There is going to be some level of, and it's that's not fair on. Sydney Siders, and that's not fair on on just advertising Scottish football. We want the best. We want we want us we want to be able to advertise this because then we want we get better Australian players. We probably get better merchandising. We get all that stuff, um, and all the other stuff. It doesn't matter what we're going into just now. But um, 
I hope I hope it if it because there's probably going to be trouble, right? But when, when it does happen, I want it to be quiet down alleyways. I want the police to clear it up and disappear, and I want no journos. Um, you know what I don't, don't want it to be, John. I'll go back when I was teenager. We had a, in the town I grew up in. We had a nightclub above a pub and a bank and stuff like that, right? Really mm. weird little dingy joint. But I get to two a.m. and the place had shut, and everyone would walk out on the street, and there's like five cabs around. Yeah. So people are like, oh well. I'm drunk. What else is it to do? Let's punch on. And that's what I'm yeah. worried it's going to be like if, because with the lockout laws and everyone's in the same area and it's like, what's there to do now? Then some idiots are going to try and kick off. And then that's the last thing we're going to need to be tarred with that brush and then have football hooligans on the front. Exactly. The and all that stuff. Like that's the bad that's side of it. But at the moment, I'm half expecting stuff like that to happen because of the simple fact that, as I said, we're all going to be drinking in a similar area. It's all the same train line. There's just a whole bunch of different things that it's not going to take a lot lot of a spark to light that match. Yeah. See if you have the fan zones, all right, and you see, like, okay, you see a group of, like, three, four, five fans in the wrong area, the wrong fan zone, you're like, okay, they're lost. But if you have your fan zone and then you see 20 to 40 people leaving the fan zone together at once if you're a police you're like cool they're going to cause trouble let's just huckle them before they start it do you know what I mean like mm-hmm. having that segregation outside the stadium just allows you to just really easily spot like the difference between someone who's lost or doesn't or un you know just ignorant versus mm-hmm. 30 people that are going to cause trouble they'll have to fence off inside the stadium as well though Sean because what you're saying about if you do fan zones, if you go to that stadium, you can go in the level, bottom level, and you can just walk a whole lap of the stadium. Nothing yeah, stops there. There's a lot more security. A lot more security inside the stadium, though. Yeah. No, I was just saying that. You know, yeah, no, yeah. Oh, no, definitely. Somebody's getting through, yeah. They could, yeah. they could do that. Yeah, they definitely could. It would take a special kind of determination idiots to do that. But, yeah, they could. Yeah. Anyway, we'll leave that there. Let's Some of the under will be there. We'll run the gauntlet. We'll have our big ass flag. Come find us. Come say good day. Happy days. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Appreciate we'll pr- uh, more at the time. I'm sure. Yeah. Sure. We'll talk about this heaps more leading up to it. We've got mm. what have we got? Eight months till it happens. So uh, <laughs> until it starts today. The so um, yeah. I know. It's going to feel like you know 20 years. All right. So <laughs> international call ups. There's, we touched on it earlier, Matt O'Reilly has been caught up to Denmark's under-21s. Rare Hatade, Daisy Maeda caught up to the Japan squad. Tom Rogic is to be called up to the Australian squad. Callum McGregor and Greg Taylor called up for the Scotland squad. And then the talk is Karamoko Dembele is a possible call up for Ivory Coast if he changes his availability and doesn't want to play for England or Scotland. So they're pushing for that. We said we we're going to do a um, a league running. Uh, I was going to talk about Siddiqui Dembele. Who does he play for? He's Ivory Coast, right? He's Ivory Coast, yeah. So that might be something to do with that. Yeah. We'll do our league running, talking about the split and everything next week's pod, guys. Because now that we've got the only um, you know, one game a week sort of thing, we'll be able to fit it in. We just went off on a few tangents about the Super Cup and <laughs> Mac and Mitchell's and all <laughs> that earlier on yeah. today. Kind of went down a rabbit hole, so good fun. 
But yeah, we've got game on the weekend. What do we got? Is it Ross County, isn't it? Yep, at home on Saturday, three PM Scotland, eleven PM for us. Brilliant. PM for you, yeah. It was at eleven eleven PM for you, Sean. Happy days. Yep. Yeah, I'll stay up for that. Yeah. So, um, what are you hoping for the from the game? I'm co- I'm saying this is the game we're going to batter someone. It's at home. Ross County. I'll be watching it for Regan Charles Cook. Uh, I, I put him in my fantasy team after the last time he played at Celtic Park, wherever, whenever that was, four or five months ago. Um, but yeah, we should now be looking to strongest team on the day kind of thing. Um, yeah, there's as you say, there's only there's, midweeks are over. There's literally one more midweek between now and the end of the season. Um, that's uh, a post-split one that always is scheduled in, and and with no, we'll have no cup games or European games midweek. So, if the Huns get through in Europe, which they should do, they'll have a midweek game just before they play us uh, in the cup. So that'll be interesting how that affects them or doesn't. But yeah, uh, I think it's going to be one of those two 0 three 0 kind of games. The Ross County one. Sorry, I'm saying it's going to be two 0 at half time. We'll end up winning five. Five one. Are you reckon? Oh. Yeah. Four or five. Either four one or five one. Hmm. I don't know why, I just got a feeling. You've been wanting a big win for a while, hey. Exactly. I'm just gonna keep saying it till it happens. And like, <laughs> then he said anyone yeah. in Australia, anyone in Australia <laughs> who watches this will get this comment. I'm doing a Gus Gould. I'm saying twenty different things. So when it happens, you can eventually turn and say, "Say yeah, I told you that." I told you, yeah. <laughs> oh, fingers crossed. Hey, yeah. No, look, I, 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 I seem to agree with Sean here. I think it's going to be a, a three-nil win. Um, I think we're playing well, so uh, definitely at home. I, you know, um, we've been a bit slack at passing, so I think maybe at times. So I think maybe three-nil is the extent. But it's a win. It's a win. It's hard to actually gauge where County are playing just now because that middle of the table just now is just, I don't know, I think it's like seven or eight teams that are all with, within a point of each other or, or on the same points or something. It's, yeah, from fourth yeah, no, through to there's yeah. one point. One point in it, so, yeah. And I think one even... Point, sorry, one in point it between, by, how many? One point between fourth, which is Hibs. Hibs and Livy ah. are on 37 points. Ross County, Dundee, Motherwell, St. Mirren are all on 36. Jesus. Yeah, so the split's going to be tough to know when we're going to play anyone because it's so tight there at the moment. Mm. Yeah, your projected form and, yeah, that's really it. We know Motherwell haven't won a game since December in the league. Wow, and they're still sitting in the middle there. They're, you're right, and they're one point off fourth place and they haven't won a game since December in the league. That's mental. It's not a good, not a good league this year. Yeah. Well, surely you could argue close. Yeah, I could. It? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, entertaining at least. Yeah. So. But Aber- Aberdeen, but, they're not. They're not getting. They're not getting top six. Yeah. Well, they they, they just got to win every game. They got to have absolute blind down, and they seem to be doing not very great just now. So that was a nice way of saying it. Um. Who knows? So yeah, if they, if they win their three remaining, three remaining games, they finish on 41. Uh, sorry, go into the split on 41. Whereas all those teams are on 37 and 36, so they only need to win two. Yeah, it's unlikely, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
they're not going down, but they're yeah, they're not. They're probably going to sit at tenth somewhere around there. We got yeah. a question here: Why will Ross County score? I think that's directed at me. I think it probably is. <laughs> should, should we go over the set pieces that we've been conceding? Or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. So, Sean, you've just nailed it there. That's spot on. So we'll leave that at that point there. Yeah. Um, now, we normally go final thoughts, and we have one each. I've got two things in my head here. So if you guys want to come up with two, go for it. But oh, Jesus. Um, Mine's quite long-winded, so I might just stick right. to the one. I'll just yeah. quickly throw my first one out. Celtic... Get a scout over, and we keep getting asked who in the A League should they be looking at. If we're going to sell a Yeti in the off season, you could do a lot worse than Nick D'Agostino from Melbourne Victory. He scored two goals last night in the Asian Champions League against uh, Vissel Kobe. He was Japan. at Glory. He was at Glory. Was at Glory. He's over here with us now, like with yeah. Victory. But yeah, get him looked at. He'd fit Andrew's system perfectly. The other thing I wanted to say was Red Star Belgrade. Do the do the damn job, please. Like beat the living shit out of Rangers because they suck. And that will in turn make my in-laws happy too, because they're mad Red Star fans. So come on, (laughs) get it done. Yeah. Sean, uh and I seen a magic tractor the other day. It was what? driving down the it was driving down the road and it turned into a field. <laughs> Jesus. All right, John, over to you, mate. Oh man, I don't I don't really want to follow that. To be honest, <laughs> mine's dead. Mine's dead. Depressing and political, and I don't really want it to be. <clears throat> um, <laughs> look, I just wanted to put my two cents right into this whole debate. Obviously, I grew up from outside of Scotland, right? So I've, I think I've got a bit of privilege in, in the sense that I didn't grow up within that sphere. Because um, I've seen a lot of stuff, a lot of accusations that some of the songs that Celtic fans were singing at Tannadice were bigoted. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, yeah. 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 Look, I, I, I just have to say, right? I think for me, would be, would be the word from what I heard. Exactly. For me, bigotry is a deliberate discrimination of identified group. There, there is, and I've had this conversation with my Scottish mates as well, where they, they you know, walk past an, uh, an Irish pub or a Celtic pub and they so-called hear bigoted and sectarian songs when actually they're, they're hearing Rebs or they're hearing IRA songs. They, they, those two are different for me. I, I, I have never once thought that singing those songs has been anti-English or anti-British. They have always been anti-Westminster and anti-the British Army, for me anyway, and that was growing up in England. But me personally, I don't like the IRA songs. I think I think there's I think there is a discussion that we should have with Inserted fans where as much as we can argue between us that, the, that they did the right thing and they had to defend Ireland and stuff, we just don't want it. We just don't need that stuff in 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 Celtic Park anymore or anywhere at the way away games as well. Um and I, I look my favorite song is Celtic Symphony. So I it's just that one bit that I wish they would change. But so look, that's my two cents. I don't think I don't think we're singing bigoted songs at all. I don't even think they're discriminatory. Well, I think we're just perfect. Apart from the one you're talking about that happened. Uh, yeah, well look, if we were singing if we were singing specifically up to my knees in English blood, do you know what I mean? I'd I'd feel personally I'd feel quite awkward about that as a Celtic fan. Um but you know, and then but then I could easily say that that's bigoted and stuff, but um there's ambiguity and I just don't think those type of songs are necessarily as bad as you know the the other side's songs but we should probably just cut it out altogether 
change the words, sing the same songs, change the words or whatever, and just leave it alone. Because my understanding is it went away for a long time and it's just back in sort of my lifetime and stuff. So, yeah, cut it out, I guess. But that's just my opinion. And John has spoken. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Um, if you can, please give us a like on our Facebook page. Join our Facebook group. Instagram and Twitter, you can find us at Celtic Down. Please follow our YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. Hit the notification bell so you know when we go live each week. And uh, subscribe to us via your, your podcast app as well. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, John. And how how. Hell, hell. Hell, hell. Job it.